from the Nick and Izzy Network Studios in New York, this is The Hirsch Show. Tonight's guest from the 90s pop group Dream Street, Greg Raposo. And now, here's your host, Kyle Hershon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of The Hirsch Show. Uh, I'm your host, Kyle Hershon, and thank you so much for joining us today. I want to thank the Nick and Izzy Network for letting me do something that I've been doing for many years, and that is doing interviews. So over the course of the year, we'll be posting new interviews with our special guests starting every Sunday afternoon at 5. We'll also be featuring an audio version of the show for you to listen to on the go with our friends at Buzzsprout and all major podcasting platforms. So my guest today... Uh, my very first guest, by the way, has hit the charts in the 90s as a member of the boy band Dream Street and has been featured as an artist on Radio Disney and has been selling music ever since. Please welcome to our very first show, Mr. Greg Raposo. Greg, how are you? How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. I had no idea I was going to be numero uno. Numero uno. Yes, uh, this is a very exciting time for all of us. And of course, we're still in quarantine because of, you know, the ever rising COVID cases. Uh, so first of all, how are you, the kids and everybody else? Doing well. We're healthy. We're safe. And, you know, I couldn't, couldn't ask for more than that. Yeah. For those who haven't been keeping up with the Dream Street uh, lately, you're a father now. You have three kids, right? Times three. Honestly, I woke up one morning, there were three of them standing there, and I don't even know where they came from. <laughs> just, that's honestly how it feels. So you're a fellow Islander, you know, uh, you, you grew up in Manhasset. I grew up in Comac, so, you know, we're, we're not too far from each other. So we've always had that New York aspect in our blood. I have to correct you. I consider myself uh, Queensborn. Queensborn. So I grew up in Douglaston, which is um, just right on the border of Long Island and Queens. Gotcha. And I did uh, spend my high school years in Long Island, um, but I have been back in Queens where I live now. That's for, good. Uh, a little over a decade. Were you a singer as a child before Dream Street or what, what came about? Yeah, so Dream Street um, was an audition like any other originally it was supposed to actually be a broadway show oh really uh, something most people don't know and broadway's known as the street of dreams hence uh you know the name dream street that makes but sense yeah i had uh got my start in music uh professionally around the time i was nine um and then one thing led to the next it's a snowball effect but um yeah dream street was just kind of another one of those auditions like the hundreds of others i had been on um and like i mentioned it was supposed to be this was right around the time there was reality tv so yes. i guess it was what what jersey shore were they the pioneers <laughs> of, of i guess TV? um and it was you know taken off and the producers had this idea to come up with uh a concept for reality Broadway um, where they would have a script and it'd be your typical type of a Broadway show of these five boys who, you know, want to be in a band and they want to get on the radio and get signed. And, uh, and, you know, the whole storyline tells how they get together. And then at the end they get signed and their song gets on the radio. And then the reality twist would be to be driving home and you turn the radio on and that song would actually be on the radio. Um, 
that's what they were going for. The song ends up getting on the radio, uh, Radio Disney specifically, and mm-hmm. doing really well. And the momentum of that just was so much faster than what they were able to do putting together the Broadway show that we ended up just becoming an actual boy band versus cast members of this Broadway show that it was you know, originally supposed to be. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Radio Disney, I think they're shutting down in like maybe a week or two. I know they've been uh, belly up since because of the pandemic, but that 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 was what I grew up with. I was so sad when I heard about that. Yeah, you know, a, a good friend of mine, Kelly Carey, who uh, worked for Radio Disney for many years, was the first one to tell me. She sent me a link, but it's uh, you know, Radio Disney is like a family for a lot of people who were lucky to have uh, touched it or have been a part of it. But I definitely feel extra blessed that I got to have so many Radio Disney memories and, and people that I still know and speak to today that come from, you know, good old Radio Disney. Yeah, you, you got a lot of airplay, you know, in the early days, um, especially uh, it happens every time. Uh, and I know you did a thing with uh, Stevie Brock and uh, Galette, uh, Frankie, uh three is the magic nut and matt and matt okay and funny story that song is at the end of the goofy movie on the dvd Hmm. which is like just a very random thing um and i will hear from family members and friends and people who i haven't talked to in who knows how long and been like do you know that my kids were just watching the Goofy movie, and then all of a sudden, you were singing a song on the screen. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's featured on the from the Goofy movie. That's so cool. And uh, you know, uh, when when you guys took off with uh, it was it happens every time that took off, right? That was the single, yes. That was yeah. So it's like you were everywhere. You were doing like the malls, the TV circuit. What was like the craziest like? TV or tour moment that you experienced during that period? Uh, There were so many, but one that stands out was a time that we were walking. It was a mall tour. I think they were, it was being sponsored by Spencer's, uh, which is a shoe company. I don't even know if they're around anymore. I think they are, but I think they sell more than just shoes. Okay. (laughs) We were uh, walking back to whatever green room they had made up for us. And for some reason, Uh, There was either too little security or no security, whatever it was. um, We turned this corner and there were hundreds, if not more, uh, girls just like running. (laughs) It's straight for us. And like, honestly, it was probably a a pretty dangerous situation. I can um, imagine that. Yeah. where We all had to like turn and like head for the hills and, and like, just make it back into this room um but it was like super exciting and and you know we were obviously cracking up and, and we thought it was hilarious as we were also you know pretty scared for our lives um but yeah there, there were there's just so many uh that one definitely stands out for sure yeah because i mean who else would be like oh my god they're going after me i thought maybe like paul mccartney or somebody was here i don't know <laughs> uh so going back a little bit uh, before Dream State, uh, you were featured on a station that I used to be affiliated with, uh, WPLJ. 
uh, as the Elvis kid. Um, explain what, what was going on. So uh, my aunt was a big PLJ fan uh, and they were doing these diner tours and she knew that I loved singing and music and thought that I'd be uh, interested in going to check one out, which I was. I think I was maybe nine nine-ish nine nine was a big year for me i had a lot of (laughs) of things happen for me uh at that at that time but uh we went to go to this diner tour and i think i was just waiting online to uh get their autographs or take a picture with the djs um and i was always a very outspoken kid uh never shy uh definitely was a big part of uh even who I was as a performer. But I think I just said to Scott Shannon, like, Hey, like I, I sing, can I, uh, can I sing you a song or just something like that? Like I have my guitar in the car, like, can I go get it and like rock out for you? And he was just like, well, what do you sing? I was like, what do you like? Um, and, and Scott Shannon happens to be an Elvis fan. Mm-hmm. My dad is a big Elvis fan. So that was like, I have plenty of Elvis in my repertoire um, and I was like, yeah, you name it. You, you got it. Which one? Hound dog. I'll be right back. So um, I run to the car. I tell my aunt, I was like, oh, he said yes. And she's like, what do you mean? He said yes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I got to go get the guitar. Run to get it. When I come back, they had two mics set up. Oh, um, I mean, this was like pretty ballsy on their part. They had no idea who I was, what I was about to do, but I guess I was young enough and charismatic enough that they were like, let's just see what happens. Um, and when I came back live on the air, they were like, Hey guys. So this kid just walked up to me and said, he wanted to sing us a song. Uh, what's your name, buddy? What are you going to sing? And I'm like, my name's, you know, Greg Raposo. I'm going to sing Hound Dog and here we go. And I just, just you started know, going for it. I started doing the, the hips and the, the, you know, the whole, the, the leg thing. Wow. He did the whole shebang and everything. Yeah, the place the place went wild, and then they ended up inviting me back again and again and again, and I ended up doing a handful of these diner tours with them. Um, and again, like I, I mentioned earlier, with the snowball effect, like you know, that led to to interviews, to being on news stations, to eventually getting back to Priscilla Priscilla Presley. Um, and getting a phone call from her and being invited to Graceland and, and getting to perform there where I had members of Elvis's band backing me up, like his drummer wow. was for me. <laughs> um, the Jordanaires who were uh, really famous background singers did, uh, did my backups. Wow. Um, and I think that was at like 11 something by the time I was maybe 11. Um, so yeah, I mean, just, it just kept going from from one thing to the next it's it's incredible i mean because uh from what i'm seeing you were the only child invited to perform at that concert in graceland it was the 20th anniversary since elvis had passed away and they had a big uh show called the elvis spectacular and they had like an elvis from every country wow and they had me represent because i'm half italian so they had me representing uh italy and actually in america wow uh, <laughs> but it was cool yeah it was, it was a cool time oh, that's really cool so now we we go to dream street you know you're working with uh with frankie matt chris and jesse you know you, you you're starting together and then 2002 hits and all of a sudden you're you're gone 
so I understand re- from reading one from what I'm reading, uh, I guess the producers and your, your, your folks had a somewhat of a disagreement with each other. Is that right? Yeah. So we were, we were all under 18. Um, and therefore our parents pretty much ran the show, anything that had to do with business and contracts and, and anything like that. They were talking with lawyers and they were negotiating who knows what, um and as a you know i started dream street when i was 13 um and it was a group called boy wonder before it was dream street right. it was actually chris and i and three other boys um we worked for a year and then after the end of that year um they got rid of three kids kept chris and i and brought in uh frankie matt and jesse um and yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was a long time, but we were just having fun, really just performing and doing what we love. And it really wasn't, you know, whatever was going on behind the scenes, I could honestly have cared less. I was just like living my best life. I had fans, I had, you know, all kinds of new friends from it. I had a new family, you know, being in the group. A second family, if you will, and um, you know when it when it fell apart, it partially didn't feel real. You know, you're you you feel so invincible already as a teenager, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, like this this is no big deal. Like it's you know I'm gonna do whatever else I'm gonna do, and it's gonna open that up. And um, I never had a moment where I really felt like oh my God, it's all over. I I can't believe it. I'm, you know, so upset. It was, it was always fun and games and it was always exciting. And and I was still always extremely optimistic that everything was happening the way it was meant to. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, you know, in hindsight, one of the biggest, or if not the biggest, uh, uh, in popularity accomplishment that I had made uh, in my entertainment career. But then again, I, you know, I did a lot of, of different things and some that I would personally consider more successful than dream street. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it was a great time. It's crazy that 20 years later, people still want to talk about it and ask me yeah. questions about it and, you know, take pictures or, whatever it is you know it's it's pretty cool yeah you know speaking of your own music you've released a couple of records uh most recently uh lost love and life uh was one of your most recent records um now i I was uh in awe that you uh titled it after your late cousin uh and you started a kick funder a kickstarter to get this thing going and uh you know I I thought I thought you know this record you know must be genuine and I listened to it earlier today and I thought it was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. So, what what you know when you started you know as a solo artist you know when you started as a solo artist you know what what was going through your head what kind of music did you want to create? So I started writing music when I was six. Um, the first song I wrote was a theme song for the three Musketeers. And, um, I never stopped writing music. I had, I was writing music 
my whole life. Um, I remember writing music for Dream Street and pitching it to the producers and being like, hey, look at this song I wrote. Maybe we can, you know, do it. You know, at the time we were working with the songwriters who the same guy who wrote It Happens Every Time wrote uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time, the Britney Spears song. Yeah. So obviously, you know, pretty high caliber of songwriter. Uh, I think like from Sweden, those, those Swede guys. Um, I think it was Max Martin. Was that right? Uh, he might be the producer. Might have been involved. There's there's usually like five or six guys on, on of every one of those tracks. Um but no, I had always been writing music. So, so the types of, of music I've written throughout the years have changed as I have. Um, but at that time, being a solo artist was very natural to me. Um, I genuinely, you know, always felt like I'd be the front man of a band. You know, I've been playing guitar since I was four years old. I think when I picked up the first guitar and, um, you know, even even in Dream Street, I always kind of felt like it was a stepping stone for me to get to, you know, doing my own thing where I'm writing my own music and I'm playing with my own band. And, you know, I never dreamed I was going to be in a boy band. I never took a dance class. Um, I just, you know, I mean, four out of five of us, honestly, were winging it up there as as dancers. But we made it work and we had a great time doing it. So. Yeah. So I, I want to bring this up real quick. I was listening to uh, a record from Foreigner and one of their songs for a moment, I'm like, that sound is familiar. Now, I don't know if you can hear this, but I'm going to play this part of a song called uh, When It Comes to Love. So when I heard that part, I heard it happens every time. <laughs> so I've taken the liberty and I've combined the two and this is what I came up with. See, I didn't hear it the first time, to tell you the truth. But but that one, yeah, I I definitely see what you did there. Well done. Yeah. And I'm like, did foreigners steal from Dream Street? Well, well, (laughs) obviously, no. It's the same chord progression, but obviously they didn't. Did Dream Street steal from foreigners? Oh yeah. Well that well that record was I think 2009 so that was way after you guys were done. Um Oh, Foreigner came out with that after? Yeah, that's 2009. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so I always thought okay, what and, an and honor. I, so I brought that over to my friends and like dude, you're crazy. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm going to stand with you on that. I yeah. to, uh, support that claim. You, you can tell, you can tell everybody like, Hey, foreigners stole our music. Yeah. <laughs> and, and please don't DMCA us foreigner. We don't, we can't afford that. <laughs> Lastly, before, uh, before we, we end today, uh, you guys 
got back together virtually, uh, obviously, you know, on a, a very sad note, you know, losing Chris from COVID, you know, that was a very tough loss, uh, I would assume. Uh, did you immediately think, you know, to bring everybody back together for this one last performance? Um, you know, that, that all happened very organically. Um, you know, I, that was something that when I found out, um, I knew I was going to be doing, you know, regardless of anybody else joining me. Um, actually it was already on my to-do list because a couple months before I had my birthday Zoom concert and I did that pretty much that exact acoustic cover of it happens every time myself um and i got a lot of requests to record it and they were like oh you know it sounded so nice can you like make a recording so i can like hear it more often i was like yeah yeah when i get around to it which i hadn't yet um so yeah when when i found out about that um i find that when you know I experience tragedy, I end up turning to my music. Um, and it's a coping mechanism for me. It's something that really helps me get through really tough times. Um, so yeah, that was, you know, part just me and my own therapy. Um, and then it started coming out really nice. So if I, you know, figured I might as well offer if they wanted to join me on it or not. I had no real expectations that they were going to, but I didn't even really have to ask. They were basically like, so, you know, what are we doing? How can, yeah. we, you know, what can we do? Yeah. And, you know, it, it went viral on YouTube. It's got about uh, 300, 400,000 hits. And I'm looking at some comments, you know, uh, this girl, Monica said, crying like a baby. This, the reunion we've uh, wanted for so long, but not in this way, um, you know, and I can see that, you know, this was something that weighed heavily on all of you. I mean, um, you, Frankie, Matt, and Jesse just handled it like champs. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not going to say that I was surprised that Jesse did it, but I was glad that he did it. Um, you know, th this was something you, all five of you will now all four of you grew up with you know you all grew up with chris and uh you know uh, this is why you know people need to take covid19 very seriously you know because it can happen to anyone and you know that's why we all got to do our part yeah yeah so greg uh is there any uh new music that you are planning to possibly create this year so um, I have been actually working in a new product, a uh, new project called City Country. It is a country music, New York country music uh, vibe that I've been doing for a couple of years uh, with a friend of mine who lives in Jersey. Uh, we get together once a week and write music. Um, we have like over a hundred songs that we've written. And we partnered with a team in Nashville where we send the songs down to them and we were able to record uh, remotely. Um, so we released an EP. We have, uh, I think, like six songs out there under City Country, which you can check out. Um, we're in the process now of picking our next six to do. 
Um, I made a little video for one of them. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so you can definitely check that out. And um, aside from the city country thing, I, uh, I just got myself involved in a restaurant business, uh, Perry Perry Guys, which is uh, something I don't think too many people are doing in the middle of a pandemic, but, yeah. uh, but it's been going really well so far. We, it was something we had committed to and, uh, didn't make sense to, to pull out of. And, uh, you know, so far so good. And it's still, uh, we still haven't even done any real marketing or advertising on it yet. It's just been like a word of mouth, uh, situation until we really ironed down what we're, what we're all about. And yeah, within the next few months, you're probably going to be hearing from me, uh, you know, talking a lot about that and, and putting that out there. Yeah. I mean, you heard it first guys it was Perry Perry guys. Is that what it's called? Yeah. It's uh it's grilled chicken, uh, healthy, Ooh. fast, casual food, uh, different spice levels, super, super flavorful. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of people really love the Perry Perry sauce and they know about it, but they haven't tried ours. I've tried them all. We've actually uh, traveled to many different places trying it. And I personally feel that ours is better than every, is better than any other sauce you can find. But uh, maybe I'm a little biased, <laughs> um, but you know, I, you got to see for yourself. It's, I think it's, it's one of a kind. Yeah. I'm going to have to hit that up. Maybe uh, once this whole thing is over, Greg Raposo, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Thank uh, you yeah, this is uh this is a very exciting time for all of us. Uh and especially, you know, my friends uh and my producers, Nick and Izzy, were very thankful to give me a show on their brand new network. And uh next week we're gonna have Noel McNeil, uh Bear from the, Bear in the Big Blue House is gonna join us. And so you you're gonna enjoy that. Greg Raposo, thank you so much for coming on once again, and we'll see you guys next time. Stay safe. Bye roll. The material on this program may not be reproduced for any sort of broadcast in any fashion. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. This episode is dedicated in memory of Chris Truesdale.